Welcome everybody to Who Touched the Thermostat. Uh, today I have a very special guest and uh, I'd like to introduce him to you right now. Uh, his name is David Thibodeau, uh, survivor of the Waco siege. Uh, David, thanks for coming on. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me right on. Should be fun. You know, uh, it's kind of been one of those things. I followed you for a while. I've really gotten into uh, following around and looking at all the different uh, points of view uh, of the uh, Waco investigations and what happened and, you know, who says what about uh, David and who says what about the ATF and the FBI. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's a really crazy story. And the more and more that I, uh, go on, I, I realize that there's fewer and fewer people out there that really know, uh, what happened 28 years ago. Um, that's wild. I mean, 28 years ago, that's a, that's a long time. And you'd think that, uh, uh, over the course of that time, the, the memory of, uh, the, those folks that died. And then on top of that, the, the travesty of what was actually, uh, brought down in Waco uh, from the federal government. It's something that I feel like everybody should know about. It should be a, a common uh, common story that's told. Uh, so that's the reason why I got you on here. I wanted to give you an, uh, an additional platform. I know that uh, you've done uh, several things. You've written a book, uh, Waco Survivor Story, um, and you also helped with the, uh, uh, or at least uh, some of that was used um, to uh, shoot the the docu series uh, with Paramount that's now um, being streamed and was a hit last year. Um, so uh, just to kind of start out, I mean something that's recent. Um, you know, we, just kind of coming back around, I uh, saw that Vice had uh, had that short little uh, bit with Byron Sage. Yeah, um, what were your thoughts on that? You know, I'm, frankly, I'm disappointed at advice. I expected Byron to say exactly what he did because it's exactly what he said for the last 30 to 28 years, you know, it, the exact same talking points, which we've always, we've always, you know, I, I, I feel like I have an answer for everything that Byron says, but you only ever hear just his point of view and then you're never allowed to retort, right? right. You're never allowed to, say you know it's just it's troubling that's that's all they have it's over and over same stuff same argument he used is how you know one person brought out a dog why didn't they bring out their kids he doesn't tell you that the entire inside of the building was destroyed by the tank you couldn't have gone from the chapel down to the concrete structure right. he doesn't tell you that you know where the wall is that led to the underground bus where the kids would have been safe was bulldozed by one of the tanks so nobody could get to the underground bus. you know he doesn't tell you that he doesn't tell you that there was so much debris from the tank going all the way through the building to the concrete structure that when they put the sea gas cs gas in in the concrete structure where all the kids were they literally just gassed them to death that's what they did how are you supposed to exit a building if at the back of the building there's shooters next to the tanks as we have on their infrared again their technology they're the ones that had a plane flying two miles above mount carmel with an infrared camera so, you know, we got something like 68 different fully automatic weapons shot. So how can you call that a mass suicide? You yeah, can't. and and it's, and it's the, a homicide. They're right, killing right. people. And they're saying, how come they didn't bring their kids out? Well, if no one survived coming out the back, how is that possible then? And, and the I believe it was uh, Clive Doyle that um 
in his uh his story that whenever uh he came out that he he looked down and saw the skin rolling off of his hands yeah and uh you know it's incredible because i sit there and i think about um you know just normal um terrifying situations uh without the fact that somebody that you know somebody's on the outside with guns um and uh and you've already seen what they've done for you know for you know two months or whatever and you've seen all the craziness that they're capable of and it's like you sit there and you think like well what really would i do like would i really try to escape um before uh it got that bad or even would you would you enter into the mind state of of kind of a freeze moment of saying like you know i'm gonna die either way so i might as well die here um which is a terrible thing to have to think about but i have to imagine that some some folks had that go through their mind possibly even yourself um until until you got out to uh beyond beyond the flames and and into uh you know fresh air um so it's it's just kind of wild uh uh that somebody would try to uh, frame it as, as he has uh that it'd be so easy to make these decisions um without taking account of everything that is you know conspired from from the beginning um to that day so um and if, obviously uh what we have to touch on the fact that uh, you know with the current situation and the current administration and the appointee to the head of the atf um david shipman who uh has said some wild and outlandish things um that have been disproven by the FLIR project um and has also been um you know covered in things that uh, you've talked about previously so with uh, the current um atmosphere in the world and, and um here in the u.s um specifically what uh what are your thoughts on uh that appointment uh chipman yeah chipman. uh sorry have you seen all the memes that are going on on with that have you seen reddit have oh you seen- i'm very 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 well versed in the the memes so uh yeah you i've seen I've seen a ridiculous amount of uh, memes, and I guess uh, I think you're kind of getting to this. Is he, is he confirmed as the trophy picture? Yeah, he's one of the four. Okay. There are four different agents, and I have all the pictures. Yeah, I have them on a big huge. Ah, I could go get it right there. I have them on this huge board. But anyway, there's four agents at different at various different times during the course of that morning, standing in the exact same spot posing one after another in that very same spot for the trophy picture. And what you can't see, you have to blow it up. I have a, a much clearer, um, a much clearer board, but that's actually a body in the background there. It's a, it's a charred remains of a person that they're actually posing in front of. So that was a guy that was a hostage rescue team member who was on the ground, an FBI guy. And I can't, you know, I, I can't help but wonder how, you know, because the FBI, and the ATF are not the best of friends. So, right. you know, it's it's interesting to me that that's going to be his legacy is going from the FBI to head the ATF. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just got that. I mean, it's it's just a, it's really appalling, and it's it's ironic because we'd already kind of discussed having you on slap um, in the face. That's for sure, dude. Almost a month ago, and then you know, of course, leading up to this recording and everything, we uh, <laughs> I got that news, and I'm like, oh my goodness, like this is. 
just crazy. And, and not beyond that, we're just a week away, just over a week away from the anniversary of Waco. And, um, you know, I, I'm very, I guess I, I hate to say it this way, but I, I'm very glad that um, the appointment is coming at the time it is because uh, he's already being buried as far as the, the memes and stuff go. Um, but yeah. here within a week, like Waco will trend again because it does every, you know, every year. So it will trend again and it will further, further open people's eyes and make that connection. Um, so I don't know where things go um, from there. If, you know, if his uh, a nomination and everything is, uh, is, is, a, is approved or whatnot, but uh, I just think it's, it's crazy. And I mean, it's, it's just uh just insane that uh uh that's the level that that's okay that that is where it is especially with the second amendment and he's i mean he basically hates the second amendment everything about it so yeah that's um, their guy that's their guy yeah is is it really a surprise i mean listen i gotta tell you i i'm just so i'm so disappointed in both parties just uh, like it it's approaching just it's just complete disillusionment. Listen, I mean, I wasn't political for years because after Waco, the only people that would listen to me are like gun clubs, the right, if you will. I don't even right. like to say the extreme. I don't, I don't like generalizations because you got good Americans on both sides. We're all right. Americans, right? It's just a different way of viewing things. That's all. Some people are just for all about themselves and little government. And some people want to help everyone. Okay. There's, and then there's, I think the majority of the people are in the middle, although it doesn't really seem that way. So anyway, and oh, these two sides fight each other. And the, <laughs> we should be fighting the 3%, man. You should be fighting the people that think about all this crap all year of how they're going to structure and make all this happen to us. So we'll fight each other. The house of Biden cannot stand all that. You know, I mean, this is all, oh God, it is so planned and thought out. And we all play into it beautifully yep. through the press because everything they do is to, to play on our emotions. I'm a very emotional person. I see something, a meme, for example, that makes me angry. I tend to post it, then I get hell <laughs> because <laughs> I didn't stop and think about everyone it's going to affect and everyone is going to be offended yeah, by it. Yeah. And everyone is so offended with anything. You can't say anything today, dude. Seriously, I gotta, I mean, Facebook is such a blessing and a curse. I like it because that's how I was talking my message and getting like-minded people. But then you get, I can't post, I make a post about peace and love and I get people that want to fight me. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, crazy. It's really dude, crazy. The peace. It's a post about loving your neighbor and loving your fellow man and loving someone for their character, not the color of their skin. What are you pissed off at? <laughs> what? The, what? And they, they I, are though. It's crazy. Oh, Absolutely. And, and I mean, it, it seems like there's a new topic every day that somebody's supposed to be against or everybody's supposed to fight about. And, uh, you know, like for me personally, I, I look at, uh, I look at life and say, you know, everybody has their own viewpoints and their own story. And, uh, you know, I think it's time that we kind of, like you said, I mean, come, come together and be from, you know, from a perspective of the middle and realize that the people need to, uh, bond together because there's other folks that don't really uh, like the fact that we, we would ever even get to that point. And I think they're showing um, their, their strategy right now. Um, and obviously amping up with uh, the nomination of Chipman is, is definitely a opportunity to reignite the, you know, the anti-gun um, versus the people that are pro-gun. And um, you know, it, it's, it's all a, 
it's all a smoke screen for everything that's going on in the background. So I totally agree with you. I would, I would say that, uh, um, we probably agree on, on quite a bit, um, wherever it yeah. comes down to, um, beliefs and stuff, well, but the Democrats are just being idiots. And, and, you know, they're just, it, it, listen, we had four years of Trump. Okay. Four years of the poster boy for, for everything that the Democrats want to go after, you know, pretty, pretty clear, pretty clear. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, Trump loses the election. And, and I know that's controversial. I don't care. Trump lost right. the election. No. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. I remember when it was Bush Gore and it all came down to a vote in Florida where George Bush's brother was the governor. Yeah, the hanging right? chads. So you want to talk about being on the other end of that, right? And and, and thinking the election was stolen. And this is not this is not new, kids. This is yeah. happens. And every side that thinks that they're not that are no longer in power want to say, okay, you know what, this wasn't a fair election. Well, it was, but that even, let's just set all that aside. <sighs> January 6th happens, right? You got congressmen who are, who are literally hiding in, in pews, hiding in their seats, scared for their lives. And frankly, listen, I don't want anyone to have that fear. Even the people that I don't like, even the people that I know are trying to steal my rights. You know, I want them maybe to go to jail. I don't want them to have to fear for their life because I just, I, I love everyone. I don't want anyone to have to, to do that. So I have empathy for that. But for them to go through that experience and then come out of it with all guns blazing, just want to, instead of learning a lesson and saying, let's open a dialogue with these people who could have taken our lives it's like no everyone should just go to jail period and we're just going to go as extreme to the left as we possibly can to piss off the people on the right even more so again there's no there's no reasoning there's no reaching over to the other aisle there's no the no saying well we're sorry now maybe we can move forward and no it's just it's 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 the pendulum has swung the other way and the other side is going to do exactly what they accused the other side of doing when they were in power for four years. Yeah. And it's, it's idiocy, dude. It's, it's, it's so crazy. It is so ridiculous and so needless. And if we don't shut up and start listening, dude, we're, we're in big trouble. This is, right. I don't, I agree. I don't see how this is not going to end in the civil war. I don't, you know, I, as I've grown, you know, gotten older and everything, I, I'm, I'm learning every day and everybody, you know, I, I, I implore everybody to learn every day and try to uh, face some of their biases and, and things that they, uh, you know, may, may have held dear as far as their beliefs or, or, or values and stuff, and really like look beyond the veil and uh, start to, to question um, everything, but frankly question how things have been going for the last uh, 50 to hundred years, honestly, because um, you know, the, they say history is, you know, doomed to repeat itself. And really, if you pay attention to the cycle, it's very cyclical, um, how everything works. And there is, uh, there's a reason for that. Um, and, uh, you know, thank God, um, that we haven't had, uh, another Waco, so to speak, at least on the, the scale, obviously I'm not a, uh, I'm not a dummy. Um, I, you know, I do realize that things happen every day that are similar, just maybe not in the same size and scope. Um, but uh, beyond that, um, you know, I, I really think that uh, your point is that, you know, we we need to get past all the uh, the two party system garbage and and really start to look at what uh, what will protect everybody 
um, and create a, a better place to live. Um, and you know, the, uh, make America great again, kind of thing. It's like, let's just, let's just make it great period. Um, and do what we, uh, can do to, uh, help everybody out and prevent the, the federal government from overreaching, um, and entering into people's homes. Uh, I mean, obviously with the red flag gun laws and stuff, like I, it just makes me sick, um, you know, thinking about it and, you know, prior to watching um, the docu-series last year, I'd already watched several um, interviews of yours. Um, I watched a lot of the um, congressional hearings um, uh, that included you at points. And, you know, I've gone back and forth and, and watched all those things. But then whenever I watched the like the dramatization, it brought a different light to it. Um, now, I, I've gathered that there's certain things that you said are, are uh, really dramatized. Um, and then there's certain things that are spot on. What would you say, just for clarity, um, if somebody's going to watch that docuseries, what would be something that you would say is, uh, is over-dramatized? I'd say read the book. <laughs> yeah. I mean, seriously, the book is, the book, the book's very accurate, you know, as opposed to what my experience was. You know, there are many things they had to change for certain reasons. Uh, they didn't have time for the California connection. It was a six part series. They had a long story to tell. So they didn't have me meeting David in California. They had me meeting David in Waco. Yeah. It wasn't, they're not trying to change history. It's just like, that's yeah, how it is convenient. It's not a documentary. It's a right. drama series. Right. It's a series. There's a difference. So, you know, if I, uh, you know, we get a documentary made, then it's got to be accurate. You have to have facts in a place and a specific timeline. Sure. And you know that that's a documentary. This is not. This is a drama. <laughs> so you know it was great TV. It's great storytelling. They had me bury Perry Jones at the front of the building. That was actually, it was actually Peter Gent who was buried at the front of the building. It was buried by Greg Summers, not myself. Okay. So because they had eight, seven or eight characters that they introduced, and that was it. And there's 140 people that were in the building. Some people that did certain things were attributed to other people doing certain things. Those things took place. It just wasn't accurate as to, as opposed to who actually did the burying of bodies, things gotcha. like that. So, you know, it's a, a, a constellation of kids taking characters and compressing them, kind of. Okay. So that's what, you know, that, that all the way through the show. So I tell people, you know, it's, it's, it's the, the, I love the series. I can, I've only been able to watch it once. I tried to watch the second time. I couldn't do it. I couldn't, I think it, halfway into it, I, I couldn't watch it anymore. But it humanized the people, which is what needed to happen. It made Absolutely. the soccer moms go, oh, my God, our government did this. Yeah. And the stuff that the government was attributed to as having done, they did. <laughs> they did terrible things. They lied about everything. They lied about pyrotechnic devices in the building. They lied about us using 50 cals. They made it sound like everyone had a 50 caliber machine gun they were using. Yeah. Them. That's ridiculous. Yeah. It didn't happen. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry. No, so fine. it's like... You know, oh, dude, it's, uh, how do you explain it? I'm not surprised by any of it, but yet it's still hard to see. Like when I see the picture, the trophy picture of the guy who's now going to head the ATF, and I'm thinking, there he is taking a picture with a gun in his hand and a body in the background, like he's all proud of this. You, you went and you gassed, you killed a bunch of kids, dude. What are you fucking proud of? Yeah. Yeah. Who proud of? I, and now you're going to head the ATF. Are you serious? Really? Yeah. 
this is a guy, in my opinion, that maybe should have been had said, you know, some, some criminal action taken against them. And, uh, the people on the ground that did that crap, that lied about it to Congress, that lied about it. You know, come on. It just makes me crazy. I mean, and and not uh, not to excuse certain behaviors and stuff, um, but just just to just to kind of create a uh, side by side. There, you hear about these stories from time to time, and I promise you that there's more um, that happen where you know soldiers overseas will take quote unquote trophy pictures, and there won't be bodies in the background, but it could be um, you know a, a tank or a building blown apart or whatever, and those people get reprimanded, yeah. you know, and sometimes it's it's pretty pretty daggone strict as far as what they you know what the kind of punishment they get, and then to think on U.S. soil these guys carried out what they did and then they're they're standing in front of uh of charred corpses it's it's really appalling um yeah. but i mean it's like you said it's not surprising all these things are not surprising we saw ruby ridge uh just uh just a few years prior to uh the the waco siege and um you know a sniper <laughs> shot a mother holding her infant in the head um, so the, the extent of what, uh, will be done has already been kind of painted and they just took it to a brand new level, um, when they came to Waco, um, and, and point, uh, going back to saying that, you know, talking about the, um, the docuseries, I do want to point out that, um, uh, obviously, like you said, you do have, uh, the book, uh, Waco, uh, survivor story, and you do have that available on um, that website that you just uh, last year, uh, last June, I believe it was, that you had published, um, wacosurvivors.com, yeah. correct? wacosurvivors.com, yeah. Yep. So I'll, I'll put that in the uh, the, the okay. show notes and everything so people can access it. It has a lot of good uh, information. Um, it has David's book. It has uh, several other um, pieces of literature. Clive Doyle's book, I think, is on there. Um, has that, access to the DVDs, so yeah, I even got a link to uh, Sarah Weaver's book. Who was <clears throat> she was uh, what this a six, the sixteen year old daughter yeah. of yeah uh, the daughter of Randy Weaver from of Randy uh, Weaver and and, and was there and had to climb over her mother's blood yeah to get to the kitchen when they had to eat that kind of thing and heard them saying so what are you gonna make for breakfast today Vicky you're gonna make pancakes for the kids you know and she's laying there in a pool of blood can you imagine I mean. What kind of sadistic individual would do that to a family, would do that to young daughters when they had shot their mother? And, you know, I have to say in fairness, the FBI or whoever, they claim on the ground that they didn't know that they shot Vicki Weaver. I don't know, dude. That, I, I have I've, a, I've I have seen, a problem that I really do. I've, I've seen uh, multiple testimonies. I've seen flip-flopping. Um you know, of, of people talking, saying that they knew that they had killed somebody. Um, and I just don't see, I don't, I don't see the, I don't see how they didn't know um, that it happened. It just doesn't make any sense to me, but we'll, we'll, we'll grant them that little bit to say like, okay, you didn't know. Um, but beyond that, I mean, and the same thing, it's obviously a pretty uh, popular uh trait of theirs to uh go after your you know emotions and your mental sanity because they they basically you know ramp that up um yeah. during during the waco siege with all the crazy uh psyop type stuff with the um yeah. the the uh flashing lights and the the sounds of of 
uh, of animals being tortured. And yeah. uh, these uh, these boots were made for walking, playing over and over again. So, uh, I mean, it's just really crazy, which I do. That's one of the things that uh, I like about the docuseries is that it that's that part's really accurate. And anybody can look at that and be like, that's insanity. Like, who thinks yeah. that this is OK? You got women and children in there of all ages. And I mean, you're that's torture. I don't care what your game plan was or whatever. That's torture. What that's not a game plan either. I mean, yeah. that's your plan is you're going to take people that you're telling the public are radical religious cultists, right? People who have been mind controlled and people who <laughs> who are unstable, right? And your plan to get them out of the building is to make them more unstable through deep sleep deprivation, yeah, and 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 torture. Yeah, that's insane. I mean, what an ass nine way to look at it. I mean, seriously, who came up with that idea? It's absolutely, that's just ridiculous. Well, I mean, everyone knows that the only way that something like this works is to have a harmony and some kind of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Some kind of, you know, you have to have uh, an understanding with the person that you're dealing with. And if you lose that trust, it's over. You're not going to yeah. get the result you want. And they, they deny, and, and I, I don't want to mention names and stuff just because I don't, I don't want to, uh, uh, slander somebody, but I know that I've heard uh, ATF and, and FBI agents um, carry on and say things along the lines that, uh, you know, that they didn't want, uh, they rejected a lot of help from um, philosophers, uh, um, theologians, stuff that were trying to help um, in the sense of, of, of scripture and those types of things to try to uh, kind of give some insight in that the, the federal, <laughs> the federal government said, no, stay out of it. We don't want your help. And it's like, you really aren't trying to do good in this situation. There's no way that you can explain to me that this makes sense to not bring in field experts because in any other circumstance, um, in any other part of life or business, if you don't know how to do something or the most information about it, you go and find an expert. And yeah. if an expert is offering you assistance, you should take that assistance. <laughs> yes, you should. So yeah. someone who spent all their time studying a specific subject subject probably knows it better than you do. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're fine. Now, Thanks so everyone we're, for bearing with me. <laughs> yeah, we were talking uh we were talking about the uh uh FBI and the ATF uh refusing any kind of help from the uh you know the philosophy experts and the the scripture experts and and helping to understand what may be going through the minds of folks like david crush and the uh, the other folks that were um in the building uh so i mean just looking at it from the outside looking in it's it's like i don't understand why you wouldn't want help unless you purposely weren't planning on helping uh you know to to have a safe outcome which really uh, and, and people kind of get the gist whenever they watch the docuseries uh, and there's several other um, documentaries that basically tell you um, that the, uh, you know, the ATF was trying to get their funding. Um, so they needed a, a, an explosive raid. Um, you know, they could have caught David jogging um, instead of, uh, you know, rolling in with uh, cattle cars full of, <laughs> full of uh, fully armed and, and uh you know uh ready to go uh combatants you know rolling out of uh out of a truck so um 
I think it's very, very uh, apparent what the the goal was from the get go, if you really pay attention, but it gets clearer as time goes on, because just denying experts any kind of help um, kind of shows the, uh, the, the true, uh, the true idea um, that was trying to, uh, to be carried out there, um, which is really sad. But uh, like you said, like you say, uh, you know, it's not surprising. No, it isn't, you know. And the funny thing is, <clears throat> listen, you can get super intellectual with the whole thing and you can, as people do, they'll break down, why did the government go in there? It must have been more than guns. It must have been more than, you know, having a lot of kids. What, you know, why, why really? You know, how, how did it get so out of control? How, you know, how, why, why did the ATF go in shooting? Why, why, why on earth were the helicopters going shooting? I mean, that's, that's, that's illegal. You know, you're not supposed to use military equipment against the citizens of the United States, but yet they did it. You know, it, it's like everything David was teaching came to pass. Yeah. And people don't like that. You know, it's so much better if it's just a charismatic cult leader and a bunch of idiots living in the middle of nowhere that probably got what they deserve. That's what people can live with. At least that's what the FBI figured that people could live with. So that was, you know, that's the picture they painted since day one. They never legitimized us. They never said, well, you know, there's actually a bunch of uh, college students that have left their colleges to learn from David. There are a bunch of like a third of the people from England <clears throat> that were from England uh, had gone on to higher education. You know, they met David when they were in seminary school learning scripture. So, you know, these are people that were not idiots. Right. It's easier to paint them that way. Because Absolutely. Yeah. That, that you know, that they can't be worked with or whatever it's much easier to to paint people that way uh, henry clay i know i quote this every time i talk but it's just so powerful henry clay said he was a, a, a southern senator said in the 1800s the devices of power and its minions are the same in all countries and all ages and first it marks its victim and denounces it exciting the public hatred to conceal its own abuses and encroachments you know, that, that, that's exactly what they did here. But, you know, people say, well, what, what was the purpose? And, you know, to me, the purpose is that, <clears throat> you know, it's biblical almost. David knew the scripture inside and out. Why didn't they just get him? You know, why did they go in like that? Why did they have to feel like they had to destroy the community? <clears throat> Maybe, I don't know. I, I can look to historical equivalents. You know, and I think of, uh, of, of white Western culture or whatever, the, the government wiping out the American Indians <clears throat> when they were doing the ghost dance. That was something that they didn't want the, um, the, the tribes, but the, the Indians, the American Indians do when they were on their, in, on their the, the land that they were given by the government. Yeah. And some were massacred for doing the ghost dance, for doing these, these, these dances that gave them power. So I think it's always been a spiritual thing. I really do. The more I look back on it, the more I really kind of study it all. It's a spiritual thing. You know, there is a, there's just this incredible spirit of greed and hatred that fights against anything that's good, that's indigenous, that's good. <clears throat> people living off the land, people that when we first came here to this land shared with us, showed us how to hunt, showed us how to do things to survive in this land. And then, you know, Many years later, we, we turn around and, and we kill them for the land. <laughs> it's, it's insane. It's, it's, it's a form of insanity that 
is, is crippling to humanity. And it, until we, and this is what I try to tell people. So I get a lot of people on the right who I respect. I get a lot of people on the left who I respect. And on both sides, because of my position, they both get mad at me <laughs> for not thinking the way they think. And that's on both sides. No. And I'm like, listen, if anything, you, you, you want to call me a socialist, a con, whatever you want to call me, I'm a, hum, I'm a humanist. That's it. You know, we should be treated, the golden rule, man, treat people the way you want to be treated. It should be that easy. We can't do it. <clears throat> we just can't seem to get the most basic rule and lesson um, that would enrich everyone's lives. Help your fellow man instead of taking from them. We just, we, we just can't seem to get that done. And I think until society grows to the point where we learn that rule with that we are not, this is not good. This is not, nothing is going to be sustainable. We, no. We're seeing a time of trouble, as David Crush talked about often. And we don't take David Crush out of it. The scripture talks about it. every prophet talks about the time of trouble. So now you could be an atheist, don't believe in the scripture, fine. Don't believe in the scripture, but look at science then. Okay, it's the same thing, really, in the sense. The end of the world's coming, guys. We have destroyed the sea. There, there's more plastic particles, subatomic particles of plastic in the ocean than there are stars in, in, in the universe now. That's an insane number. It's, it's, whales are washing up on the shores in, in, in Europe uh, 27 at a time with so much plastic in their stomach, it's killing them. Once the whales go and then over mass due to massive fishing, we're cutting the shark fins off just for shark fin soup in, in, in some countries. What's all these, oh my God, sources go, then, the, then, then all, all, everything plays a part in the ecosystem. When you destroy one, you destroy everything else. And due to overfishing and all the things that we're doing to the earth, it, it, listen, we, we're, we're, we're coming, we are at the point of no return. Not just CO2. CO2, uh, whales are the greatest form of fighting carbon, of fighting CO2, and it has to do with, with their excrement. It actually fights CO2. The ocean is, is, fights more CO2 in the atmosphere than, do, than does the rainforest. So yeah, it's very important. And, and if we destroy that, we're done. We're done. And we just, dude, it's the same stuff, overfishing, over everything. Yeah, I totally can agree with you that, I mean, the, obviously the, the entire world is, uh, uh, is a uh, giant machine, so to speak. I mean, everything kind of leans in on, e on each other, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, plant life or, uh, you know, other animals or, or sea life and whatnot. And, uh, you know, the, the failure to, um, to do your part to, uh, you know, to be, um, better, cleaner, and those types of things. Uh, I mean, it's definitely a, an important thing to to think about, um, and really looking at it and and wrapping back to um, your point that uh, the things that the federal government um, has done, um, not just in Waco, but like you said, with uh, with the Trail of Tears type of situation, and um, and uh, uh, several other uh, instances, obviously um slavery and the way that they handled uh post-civil war um obviously all the way up until the the civil rights movement um i mean a lot of these things uh show evil um and so from your aspect and from what your your words of saying that you know it is it's a spiritual thing uh i mean you could definitely 
you could definitely uh, turn around and say these things are evil um, and continue to go on to, um, you know, some of these uh, individuals that uh, that uh, may uh, show face, so to speak, as far as uh, protecting the planet, um, but inadvertently will turn around and also support, um, you know, uh, uh, measures and regulations and things that that end up forcing the opposite. Um, and it's, it's just a real train wreck. And I think that if people, if we as a people could decide to simplify and respect one another and really get down to the basics instead of, instead of trying to make every little, uh, issue, um, you know, somebody else's responsibility, uh, expanding the federal government and saying like, you know, you should, um, you know, you should make so-and-so do such and such. I mean, and obviously standing where we're at right here today, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that are up in the air of, of expanding the federal government and, and what they can tell you what to do and where to be or um, what you can own. And it's like, where does that stop? And if you allow them to have the inch and everything, then it will continue to trickle down. And all the situations that you spoke about will get worse because we will become dependent on, um, you know, more things that are uh, or we may be forced to be dependent upon things that are worse for the, for the, the world, um, yeah. the, the environment. So, um, I mean, it definitely, uh, definitely does, uh, kind of dog ear the situation and say, Hey, like there's real evil that people should be looking at and, and combating. Um, but, uh, beyond that, uh, obviously we could talk about evil, um, you know, the, the good news is this generation, especially this generation, and, you know, despite the fact that that their education system is terrible, yeah. you know, there are some really, really good kids out there <clears throat> that Absolutely. are trying to do the right thing. Yeah. And more so than in my generation, whereas like, you know, bullying, it was a part of school. You had to deal with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? There wasn't people like no they just accepted it you had to deal with it you see now now people are standing up to that kind of crap and and i hate bullies so that's good so people are at least that now they see in my generation we didn't see we were learning the reality of the horrors of what's really happening behind the scenes very much like the matrix yeah you know it's like we're all asleep and plugged into these machines and you know there's two saying well one of the sayings i love is well, to get back to what I wanted to say earlier is you reap what you sow. That's an old, old biblical proverb, right? You reap what you yeah. It's true. If you don't yeah. put proper seed in the ground, you're not going to eat, eat, eat throughout the winter. Mm-mm. That's the way it used to be, survival of the fittest and, all, and, and such. So if we're reaping what, we're, what, 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 what we've sown, well, look at the death and the destruction that, you know, we, that we're responsible. It's quite a bit. It's, quite, it's, it's, it's stunning, really. So, you know, there's, there's that. And, you know, the other is ignorance is bliss. And, you know, in the 80s, it was just one big party. It's like, you know, we got through the 70s and Vietnam and that was terrible. And now it was, you know, it's time to to have a good time. And there were no consequences, you know. Um, then we started to see what the consequences were, you know. And then in the 90s, it was like, oh, my God, there's the hangover was the 90s. And uh, <laughs> it's time to pay the bill. Yeah. And then you get the 2000s and then you get, you know, you get 9-11 and then, oh, chaos and insanity that stem from that so it leads to now i think a populace of young people that are influencers that are on there and again when the pendulum swings they take it too far 
I think they take it way too far. Everyone's too offended with everything, but at least they care. You know, you can be who you are now in this country without getting hung. You know, you can be a gay person. You can be who you are and find the right circles of friends and you're accepted. There was a time you couldn't find that. You had to move to a big city and live on a very exclusive street to find your people. Yeah. Okay, so it's easier to be who you that, and that's that's a good thing. That that's it. absolutely. I'm trying to say this a little bit more eloquent. I'm not, <laughs> I, but I that wasn't even understood when I was a kid. It was yeah. just like I had empathy for people because I just always did. I hated bullies, and I always had. I always felt for the little guy. I always associated with the American Indians because of, of the massacres, and I just didn't understand how it could happen and be allowed to happen, and yet it didn't. And, then it, because my father's a history teacher and I started to understand that this it's secular. It happens all through history. These cycles are over and over again. Yep. When we're seeing the red and the, the red states and the blue states against each other, this is not new. <laughs> this happened after World War One in Germany. This happened to the later the latter years of, of, of the Roman Senate and the and Congress. I mean, we have seen this over and over again. France, <laughs> you know, the age of enlightenment, you know, um, off with their head, all that, you know, all this stuff has, this has happened before and it follows specific guidelines, you know, uh, people, the racism, people being upset, people being offended with everything. And then it, it gets to the point where, where it's all controlled. This all becomes a machine. And that's what I, that's what I'm worried about. Yeah. I'm worried about this machine. With, I talked to, we talked about crypto very briefly. It's an amazing thing to have things decentralized. But what does that really mean? Okay, let's say the funds are decentralized. Do you think the government's just going to give that up? Absolutely not. They got the tanks, man. So I don't think they know what – nobody knows what's going to happen yet. It's, yeah. it's an exciting time because there's this revolutionary spirit and people just want to be left alone. They yeah. just want the truth to come out. Absolutely. And the truth is coming out more than ever. Yeah. And that's what's kind of interesting and exciting, but now we got to see what people do with it. Yeah, yeah. I think that the generation above mine is going to fight it until they until they die. I really do. So the young people, the next generation, are going to have to make the change, and they got to do it quick because we're killing ourselves. So, yeah, and and if we're not. Uh... I want to be optimistic, my friend. I really sure, do. I hear you. But then I, I see the guy being appointed as the head of the ETF, and I'm like, no, they don't get it. They don't get it. They they haven't fucking learned the lesson. They haven't learned to the, the lesson. right guy. I they uh, don't get it. I, um, you know, obviously, uh, like we talked before, I'm just a couple years older than the the Waco story itself. Um, you know, but I have um, really opened my eyes to a lot of things and I've, I've grown at a different rate than some. And I uh, definitely already see, um, you know, the man behind the curtain, so to speak. And, you know, okay. I, I, the people that I, uh, you know, associate with and everything, we're, we're very much in the mindset of um, taking human action and, and doing what we need to do and saying the things that people are afraid to say and spreading messages of truth which really honestly like like i started off uh this 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 uh episode saying that i wanted to give you a platform because i think that even though that you've had interviews and obviously there's video documentation of you um giving testimony i think every uh opportunity that you get to speak and and put a face to um the name david Thibodeau, Thibodeau, 
and be able to give a, um, you know, humanize the victims of Waco is super important because um, as much as it's one story, it is a telling story. Um, and, and the cycle that uh, you referred to, I was referring to that it, things will happen again. And if you're not, if you're not aware, um, then you're not going to see it coming. And I think uh, that's kind of my frustration um, looking from, from my perspective that a lot of people aren't aware so they're not looking and saying like oh this is bad <laughs> this is bad these are telltale signs of other terrible things to happen and if you're not careful and if you're not aware um and you're busy um just accepting narratives and things regardless if it's right or left at this point um you're you're in trouble because like you had mentioned the the election i've told people i'm like you know i can be sympathetic to your thoughts or how you feel but if you get too hung up on the election being stolen, then what else is going to go beyond behind the, the veil while you're over here and getting angry um, and potentially showing yourself in, in a, in a bad light, that's going to create even more problems. So let's be strategic and think about like, what can we do yeah. to uh, prevent other atrocities or what have you, but. Um, but don't take it out on the innocent, your anger. That's the other thing. People let their anger get to the point they can't control. They take it out on the innocent. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, Timothy McVeigh. What? What? Why, dude? Really? But you, you read the Turner Diaries and you said you had to blow up a federal building. I mean, that's not the answer. You know, killing a bunch of kids. Yeah. And you know, the kids were killed. It's not the answer. It's not the friggin' answer, man. Well, the worst part about I don't want to say <laughs> the worst part because there's always you know deeper things. But the bad part, um, bringing that up, is a situation where I talk to people and <laughs> more people know about the the McVeigh connection to Waco than they do about Waco itself. And the, and the people that do know Waco normally, or know the name Waco, I should say, they relate it to the, the Jonestown incident. And it's like, it's all meshed together. And, it's totally different. There's no, there's no, there's no connection to Jonestown and Waco. Yeah. There's not, there's no similarity. Not even close. It's not even, this, no. not even close, but um I, I hear it all the time and it scares me because it is a um you know it, it's 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 an obvious uh out in the open like this is planned this is plotted however they're teaching it and everything it's all it's all combined together and explained um you know they teach it as like cults or whatever you know and the effect that they have on society or whatever you whatever however they want to frame it but they do a lot of more damage that way um and they protect uh, the real uh, perpetrators in the situation um, and the Waco case, obviously being uh, federal agents that gassed and burned children. Um, now, obviously it's a terrible situation. It's an awful story. Um, but I would like to take the opportunity to, to maybe dig in and, and talk about some positive memories um, that you had, um, whether it be during the siege, because I'm sure that at some point you had to find a, a moment to just be a positive human, even though with everything being terrible around you, um, you know, trying to find positive moments. So, you know, if there is anything that comes to mind, whether it's um, just a general experience while you were there in Waco before the siege or during the siege, I, I really love to hear uh, maybe a, a short story or something uh, that you have about uh, a relationship or uh, a, just a good memory. You know, there are many, many good memories uh, some some of the 
most important and deepest nights of, of, of my life were hanging out with Steve Schneider and hanging out with uh, Wayne Martin and listening to these guys, what they had to say, how they thought of things. Through Steve Schneider, I mean, I learned about so many. I learned what the Illuminati was before people knew what the Illuminati was. See, that's it. Now everyone knows, and it's like it's it's a joke, right? It's everyone knows it exists, but you know, people get into it. They talk about, it, they debate it. It was not known in 1992 when I was talking to Steve. Very few people knew what the symbolism on the dollar bill meant. We knew. You know, he knew he would explain everything. I knew the name Adam Weishaupt. I knew 1776 and in England and how they started this global thing. It was all, I learned all this for the very first time then. And the more I looked into it, the more I could see that it was true, you know, tied it to certain secret societies and secret families in, in this country. All the forefathers were members of the Masons and Masonry and how that all, you know, kind of fit in the secret handshake where if you're in court, you know, so the judge is going to let you off if you know the secret handshake. I mean, you know, when you think about it, it's a way for the elite to control and help each other out along their path. So, you know, it, it, it made sense. It's true. It's the, it's, it's an, it's an existence and it's a spiritual thing, if you will. But, you know, learning about those things for the first time from, these very intelligent people that talked very rapidly and had so many facts like Steve did or Wayne Martin, who told me that when he first graduated from Harvard, he got a job working at a, uh, and he wouldn't say the name, but one of those, um, um, you know, financial institutions. And, you know, they told him after he got the job that his job was going to be to, 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 meet with people who have nest eggs that they've saved up and that they want to retire on. And his job was to make sure that he took their nest egg and made it to companies and took it away from them. And he said, I can't do that. And basically, you know, chose to go into private practice. But that story from someone who was there and was basically told that's, that's, that's what we do here. Yeah. This is, you know, this is one of the big ones. So it's like, you know, dude, the, the fix is in every, it's just, it's so corrupt. The system is so corrupt. And I come to, I came to believe that it's, you can't get in a position of power or go up that ladder without being able to turn your eye to certain things without, you have to play ball with they, whoever they are, you know, that's just, yeah. that's, yeah. That's one yeah, of the facts of life. You can't fight city hall, right? Yeah. Even if they torch your house. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, I smile yeah. when I say that. I mean, there's <clears throat> years of anger behind that yeah. sadistic smile of mine right now. You. You know, years of just trying to escape the pain of it all because you, you get to the point where you've told your story, no one cares. All right, fine. 28 years later, they care. That's great. I'm happy. Like, I get <clears throat> at least, so, I don't know, I guess the reason I can, the, the easiest way I can say this is at least I know the, the purpose of what <clears throat> Waco was for me. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know, somebody had to tell the truth of what they saw. Right. Period. Yeah. And when I wrote the book, I didn't anticipate anyone doing a series. I never, I never thought a movie would ever get done from my perspective or the perspective of the people in there. I figured they were too powerful. The fix was in this truth will never come out. And I just, at least wrote my book and said, that's it. <clears throat> I went back to playing drums. You know, I could have been an activist or whatever. I just, you know what? It's not, that wasn't what my role was. Then it became all this. And here I am now talking to you. 
and it's good because for a change in history, the, 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 those who are victorious are not going to be able to rewrite history and get away with it. We don't know what the Catholic Church has hidden. We don't know what scriptures that were never allowed in the canons exist somewhere to tell us about the history of, of, of the world prior to, to Christ. We don't know, uh, you know, the Alexandria with the uh, library burning, um, all these ancient, ancient texts and, and knowledge that mankind had created was destroyed. There's so much about history we have no idea about. And the fascinating thing about this time is we got satellites. Now, these satellites with certain imagery are finding whole civilization that exists on the canopy of, of, of the rainforest and, and, and forest nations all over the, the world where there's civilizations that we had no idea ever were there or existed. What were they? Who were they? What did they think? What did they know? What were their politics? What, were the, what was their religion? So many questions. And it's like, I feel like we're on the precipice of understanding what this is all about, <laughs> or at least human history that has been lost sight of for millennia. And that's, that's an awesome thought. It's an awesome thing. And, you know, I feel kind of unfortunate that I won't live to see it, <laughs> but I'm glad that the generation to come will, if, if we can save the earth, if we can save ourselves from our, our self-destruction. And I don't know if we can, but I got to tell you, here's, I'm not going to be a pessimist. I'm going to be an optimist here today with you, okay? And here's what I'm going to say. <laughs> Being a child of the 80s, we thought we were going to blow each other up any any day. Yeah. Every yeah. day I would come home from school and watch MTV thinking this could be my last video because the Russians are going to nuke us. Yeah. I mean, that thought almost daily. I mean, really, we really, really seriously, honest to God, guys, thought that any day it was over. I'm surprised that I've made it here to <clears throat> what year is this 2021 yeah i can't believe i made it yeah. to 2021 i can't believe it i cannot believe it and despite the fact last year was probably like the worst year on, on on record yeah it wasn't something like it was uh 582 or 572 72 or 82 i have to look into the figure was actually the worst year on record and that's because there was an outbreak of um the bubonic plague followed by three volcanoes going off simultaneously in different parts of the world, which created so much ash that uh, people didn't get to eat that year. And so starvation happened all over the world. So that's considered the worst year in history and recorded history. So if you think 2021 was bad, just you can look back now and say, hey, Thibodeau said it, it's actually been worse. <laughs> <laughs> you so, know, no, to be honest, I think I, and th this is, uh, you know, just, just an observation. I think that I, I had uh, uh, seen that in, uh, after Trump was elected, somebody had uh, made that point. But anyways, uh, beyond that, um, so, I mean, I think it's really, uh, you know, for me, I really like to learn from people. And obviously, I'm glad that I've had you on because I can learn little things about you, um, little things that, uh, you know, the docuseries won't um, and the book maybe won't because it's, it, you know, you're talking about uh, years since you wrote the book. So there's, you know, it's a different uh, David Thibodeau that I'm, I'm looking at right now. But, That's for sure. um, you know, it's good uh, to hear that uh, there are moments of of uh, expansion of thought, um, you know, beyond yeah. what people uh, think that everybody in there was, uh, you know, some kind of mind-controlled zombie that was just um, worshiping uh, David. And, 
you know, there's other things that are going on um, that were normal uh, that uh, people don't realize that, um, you know, I think that some people that may dabble in a little bit realize that people, you know, it wasn't like everybody was just locked in um, and never went out and stuff or whatever that, you know, people held jobs outside and, and worked with the general public and, sure. and categorically everybody, everybody that was, part of the, you know, within the branch Davidians had a really good rapport with people, including the sheriff's department and everybody that yeah. they were just good people. Maybe even some of like, you know, highly respected people, as far as people that were just nice and, and courteous to people, um, you know, and, and it's, it's just wild to see that some people think that everybody was just, um, you know, just sitting and sitting in the chapel so to speak with with david and that's it like there's nothing else that was going on besides just them listening to david there's other things that were going on there's conversations like you said with steve schneider and everyone uh, wayne mean, martin yeah. and uh you know we hung out played music all the time and you know i mean there's all kinds of there's just so many moments uh greg summer's hanging out with cliff sellers i should mention cliff sellers he's the guy that he was the artist he did all the artwork he did like if anyone has seen the david Chris rock shirt he actually has a fiery flight. He did that shirt originally. He's got a fiery flying serpent on the back, which was like a, a serpent with seven seals that had seven wings, fiery wings. And that's how the original shirt had that on the back. And, uh, you know, I mean, he was just an amazing artist. He just, uh, he told me a story. He's a very detailed artist. And he said that he had tried out for Disney. He wanted to work at Disney. And, and he didn't get in because he was too detailed. Hmm. I'm like, I would think they would want detail. He goes, nah, you know, the characters have three fingers. There's a reason for that. You know, you have to do yeah. the same visual yeah. over. So you make, you want to make the shapes very large, you know, large eyes, that kind of thing. So it's easy to draw over and over and over again. And, you know, he's doing like, he had a, 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 a comic book series, Ernie the Egret. And he had these little egrets that would walk around and talk to each other, these little white birds. <laughs> Or anything. It's funny, you know, Clive came up with some amazing, uh, Clive, sorry, uh, Cliff Sellers. Cliff came up with some just amazing things, just great artwork. He did all the, he um, he airbrushed all of the, the guys all had motorcycles, except me, I came in too late. <laughs> but he airbrushed, you know, like David Koresh's, and he would airbrush David Koresh's guitars. He never, everything was custom, you know. Clive was, uh, Cliff, Clive, I keep saying Clive. I talked to Clive today, that's why. Cliff was just this amazing artist and this amazing person to talk to him. He's a very deep guy, you know. And that's the thing of my relationships about karma. Well, these are all people that enriched my life. And that's that's something that most people don't know. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's kind of the reason why I wanted to give you an opportunity to just kind of touch base and 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 point out, you know, a couple of things because um, you know, I mean, like you said, the docuseries is what it is. It's a dramatization. So I mean, there's there's things that um you know, maybe true, but may have happened to somebody else or what have you. But, um, you know, all in all, these were, these were people. And, um, you know, these were just like our, you know, our family, our friends, the people that we spend time with. And, um, you know, that one thing that people will learn, um, you know, I'd really, really encourage everybody to, to take a look at, uh, some of the, uh, the uh, documentaries and things I'll link some of the stuff or at least give some of the information like the FLIR project um, rules of engagement and things of that nature that really paint um, really good pictures of what was, what was going on. Um, but uh, Stuart writes, uh, there's an individual a professor named 
Stuart Wright. I have his writings on the website. Okay. And his web, his stuff's great. It's just a critical analysis of the FBI and the actions of the FBI, various uh, titles that he's he's worked on. That uh, some of the stuff is just out of this world, fantastic. He breaks down so many things day by day. What happened? What happened to trials? Um, you know, what are the what of what of his articles is about? He said it's too bad the FBI didn't have a rule book they could have followed to you know help make sure everyone came out all right. <laughs> yeah. Well, it turns out they did. They did. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and he did a critical analysis of that, and he found out of all the, the something like twenty-three different rules to follow in a negotiation that they violated eleven. They violated eleven of their own rules to get people out safely, and then they said, "We don't know why people aren't coming out." That's. I don't. Know, I, <laughs> well, I mean, how many? I can't, how I can't many... overstate that enough. I mean, that's just that's that's just that's just crazy. I mean, they, they had dozens and dozens of negotiators, you know, what could go wrong. Um, but um, the, th the one thing I wanted to touch on is that, you know, as far as the humanization point is, uh, you know, people need to realize that they, they, they sent in cameras for the, <clears throat> for the people in um, Mount Carmel to, to humanize themselves. Right. And, yeah. and uh, uh, basically whenever, on the flip side, they're like, we can't release this because then America will know that they're just normal people in there that have families yeah. that are from all different ethnic backgrounds from all around the world, um, different ages, different levels of, of education and intelligence. And they'll see that these these are just people. So we can't do it because what we're about to do will make everybody, you know, enter into mass hysteria. So um, I just think that it's appalling. Um, and one you know, one of the biggest things for me is just humanizing the, the people that died and, you know, trying to, uh, trying to show people, um, you know, how, how terrible it really is. And I can tell you, so I have a toddler, I have a little girl and, um, you know, watching, uh, the docuseries, um, granted, you know, it's a doc, you know, it's a drama, but watching the end and thinking about, uh, the, children you know and gas mask not you know not being able to fit the children and yeah. thinking about what cs gas can do to the human body and just real quick not to be too graphic for people but um you know i mean cs gas can can contort your body it can pull on your muscles and tighten even to the point of breaking bones so um watching the end of the siege in the movie really just you know hurt me because uh you know I, I look at it from the aspect of my daughter and um you know the 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 hurt the rage everything um that would come from a situation like that and uh you know i i really want people to understand that these were human beings regardless of what anybody tells you i don't care even if they were um, which I would never say that the the Branch Davidians were um, some you know mindless cult um, because I know better. But even if they were, they did not deserve to be gassed and to be burnt alive. And uh, you know, I mean, it's just it's really crazy. Um, but once again, that's why you're here because I want everybody to see your face and say like, you know, this happened. This is not some kind of conspiracy theory. And there were real people in there just living their lives just trying to do what they thought was right yeah you know people still won't believe it it's just how people are no. 
You know, yeah. There's, there's going to be people on the government side, period. End of story. There's going to be people on our side. Sure. I think people on our side are way more informed. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that, I, that's you it. Know, like I said, I mean, I've, I've watched all kinds of videos. And really, honestly, like if you want to be a, if you want to get outside of the, the, um, just you know the argument of whether it was it a cult or not a cult or whatever if you really want to cut down into like cold hard facts and, and and in the realm of science the FLIR project should be enough for you to say who <laughs> who was right and who was wrong because the FLIR project does a phenomenal job of breaking down the lies that have been told to public and saying like this you know this is we we debunked all this and that's like the that's like a real good stepping stone for people then you can kind of backtrack into the rest of the story and realize you know from that you know wh who was who was really not telling the truth um but um beyond that so i mean we're kind of getting to the point of uh, uh of uh closing up and stuff but i i want to give you the opportunity to um maybe if it's okay with you, I don't want to put you in a, a corner or whatever, but if you could kind of give us a, um, a, a, a synopsis, uh, of the last day, um, when, when the CS was, was, uh, was put into the building and when you finally got out just to kind of paint a picture for people, um, what that day was like for, for somebody on the inside. Yeah, sure. You know, I mean, it started very early. <clears throat> The phone rang and it was with the FBI guy. They're saying to wake up Steve. Steve was sleeping. But anyway, get up. We got him up. And then you can hear the tanks rolling down. And it was still dark out. I remember that. And then, you know, Steve found out that they were going to come in. He said they were going to start ejecting tear gas into the building. And then Steve was running up and down the hall saying, everyone get your gas mask. They're coming get your gas mask. Right? Now, the thing, <laughs> this goes back to Byron and what Byron said on uh, that Vice episode. And what he said is right after Steve said, get your gas mask. And he said, start pouring the fuel, pour the fuel. That's, that didn't happen. I was there. Nobody said pour the fuel. I never heard anyone say pour any fuel. That's absolutely ridiculous. So, you know, I don't know where he gets this tape or if the FBI made this tape up in a lab or what, but they never played that tape for me at the grand jury. The only tape that I ever heard was something that, that they say said, start the fire. As I said, the fire. And when I heard it with the headphones, I've had to play it four or five times. And to me, they were saying, cut the power. Cut the power. I heard it very plainly. So it wasn't even what they were trying to get me to believe. I mean, they, that makes a lot of sense. They cut had the me power. Read, a, read a piece of paper, and on the paper it said, it's a start the fire. And I'm like, no, that's not what they're saying. They're saying cut the power. And the, the grand jury didn't believe me. They're like, ah, oh, you know, whatever. It's like, I know what I heard. So... I don't know if Byron's confusing timeline or if they just made the tapes up and are playing it for him. I don't know. <clears throat> but I know nobody said light the fire or nobody said pour the fuel. And, you know, the FBI also says that they claimed that through their recordings at 6 a.m. that they were saying to pour the fuel and light the fire. 6 a.m., six hours before the fire. Yeah. Fire doesn't start till six hours. How would they later. even know that that would be a situation that would be a, it would be a a, a time to do such a thing? Yes, that, that that whole story doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, and you know, listen, I you know I, I'm a high school graduate, my friends, and you're not looking at a PhD here.
but it does it doesn't take a PhD uh, to figure out when you're being lied to and when you're being BSed. Yeah. And so that's it. I mean, you know, Byron can say whatever he wants. They can say whatever they want. These are the same. These are the same people that for three years said there were no pyrotechnic devices used in the building. Lo and behold, seven pyrotechnic devices are found mislabeled as silencers in the, in the evidence locker. So there were pyrotechnics that were used in the building and in the evidence locker. So lie all you want, guys. Well, you know, it, it brings yeah. me, I, and I'll let you finish your story of how the day unfolded, but it brings me, <laughs> brings up a thought. I was going back the last week or two and kind of refreshing my memory on some of the things, um, especially in, in regards to the, um, the congressional hearing. And at one point in time, uh, Chuck Schumer had basically, I mean, fervently made the argument that flashbangs uh, were not dangerous, that flashbangs could not hurt you, that flashbangs, like, you know, you could just hold them in your hand. And uh, I just found it absolutely appalling um, that he would make some kind of suggestion of that. And beyond that, like, you know, it kind of ties back into the fact that, uh, you know, Chipman is uh, being uh, nominated for for the ATF head because these people that are arguing, uh, you know, against uh, uh, the Second Amendment um, obviously have little uh, to no knowledge of firearms or, um, you know, explosive devices and things of that nature. And in order for chuck schumer to say that flashbangs um you know you could hold them in your hand and it wouldn't you know wouldn't do anything it's absolutely insane um but uh you know and then they you know i know that they found um 40 millimeter uh tear gas canisters which are also um uh, have a, a pyrotechnic aspect to them um conveniently at each one of the entry points where the tanks were pumping in cs gas and a flammable uh, propellant that they use to uh, to inject the CS gas into the building. Um, Methylene chloride. That's the yeah. propellant. Yeah. Same stuff they use in paint thinner, incidentally. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it, it's just funny to me that the people that are quote unquote in charge, so to speak, um, can speak so flippantly on something <laughs> that they have no idea what they're talking about. Um, yeah. But anyways, uh, so, so like you're saying, um, uh, so you got the call and they tried to, they've been trying to argue and, and they, their story is, is that it was light the yeah. fire and pour the fuel. Um, yeah. So yeah. beyond that, once the, once they had made that call and uh, the gas mask, Steve was telling everybody to get their gas mask. What, uh, what kind of was going on from that point? Well, you know, I mean, basically they started, he heard these popping sounds and it was the ferret rounds that were entering through the building. And you could hear Byron Sage's voice on the loudspeaker saying, you know, uh, this siege is over. Come out with your hands up. You're all under rest. We're going to be putting in a harmless form of tear gas. It'll affect your clothing and get in all your furniture. Everything will be uninhabitable. So come on out. <laughs> and, and so basically what he's saying is everything's going to be uninhabitable. So you're going to have a place to come back to once you come out. So, <laughs> you yeah, know, they're gonna, we're going to destroy your home. Please yeah. come out. Well, they already done that. I mean, no. Yeah, well, they hadn't done that yet, but later on in the day, when the tanks started to come into the building, you know, that's where it got particularly terrifying. Yeah. What happened is they had something like, I don't know, 400-something ferret rounds, and they ran out. They ordered more, and they hadn't gotten there, so they started, they decided at that point to dismantle the building and 
move the tanks in and spray the CS gas, the tanks would come with the booms through the through the second story, and then they spray up there. And then the tanks would come through the lower decks and certain windows and stuff to take out the windows and spray in there. They were spraying in the chapel area all over. So the tanks would enter a little bit and start spraying. I was, by the way, I have allergies. Sorry about it. You're fine. It sounds like Mickey Mouse or whatever. It's because this okay. is starting to affect me. But um, <clears throat> excuse me, guys. So yeah, that happened after I would say nine or ten. They ran out of the fairgrounds. They started dismantling the building. And what we couldn't, well, what we didn't know, we could hear the building shaking, and we knew something was going on at the back of the building, but we didn't know what. And apparently, well, we know now because we can see the pictures, but the tanks were going all the way through the building and scraping all the stuff that was in the gymnasium area, and they were raising it. They literally leveled the gymnasium ground, the gymnasium to the ground. Yeah. And every time they did that, you could just feel the whole building shaking like it was an earthquake. It was incredibly loud noise, a scraping noise. Uh, so that went on over and over again. You're just like, you know, I mean, your senses are fully engulfed in every way. You get, if you take your gas mask off and all, you start tearing up. So you put your gas mask back on, which it's hard to breathe through that. Uh, it was very windy. The wind was whipping through the, the windows. Yep. I remember that. And, you know, basically, I was okay. I figured that David was going to try to establish communication with him because that's what they said they were going to do. <clears throat> Sorry, guys. <clears throat> and um, hold on. So he was trying to establish communication. Uh, let them know, you know, the, I guess the uh, one of the tanks had cut the cord uh, to the phone line. And so we were trying to get them to get us another phone, uh, but they just wanted it over. They didn't care. So right. yeah. you know, I was hopeful. Up to around 1030-ish, I heard a news bulletin. I was listening to the radio. I had the radio on. <clears throat> the radio said that, you know, the uh, FBI or... <laughs> Janarino is it okay to see us, uh, or they didn't say see us, because a, a tear gas plan, and they're putting gas into the Mount Carmel building, and uh, that uh, the FBI have received over 200 bullets, bullet rounds against their CEVs, but due to the credit of the FBI, they have not fired back at the Davidians. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That was it, dude. Fix was in right there. I mean, that's when I lost all hope. And that, that was the worst feeling in my life was losing hope, because I had hope, even though we were being gassed. Yeah. And you can survive if you have hope. If you Absolutely. don't have hope, like when you're actually going into the oven or you're actually going into the gas chamber and they're getting ready to put the Zyklon B and you know it's not going to be a shower, that's the worst feeling of all. The second before it's all over and there's nothing you can do about it. Losing hope is losing who you are, losing your spirit, losing, losing your soul. It's literally that powerful, and it's, it's, that's what it feels like. And so when I heard that, I, I totally lost hope because they were lying. And I knew they were, the fix was in for a complete disaster. They were going to destroy us. At that point, I knew it when they said we were firing at the tags. Yeah. Because I was in a chapel area. Most of the people were even in the other side of the building were in the chapel area. And nobody had shot at the tanks where I was. I didn't hear any gunshots the whole morning. So it's like I knew they were lying. And if they weren't lying, 
I'll give this because I, I don't know what's going on, on the other side of the building or even at the back of the building. And if someone was shooting while the tanks were coming into scraping, no one would have heard those gunshots. But that's the only caveat I will give them. <clears throat> I have to be honest enough to say I'm on the far corner of the building. I don't know what's going on on the other far corner yeah. of the building. Yeah. But you could hear gunshots all over the property. Absolutely. I, mean, I, I yeah. think yeah. I would have known. But here's my point. My point is I'll, I know that no one was firing at the tanks because I was devastated to hear that they were telling people that we were firing at the tanks uh, because it wasn't true. It was a complete lie. And, you know, I'll go to my grave saying that. It's just the truth. Well, I, I, I mean, it's just, it's crazy. Cause I mean, obviously uh, Chipman had made the, uh, <coughs> Chipman had made, made made the point saying uh you know in that reddit uh ama or what have you that it that uh the davidians had fired upon um the uh the helicopters with uh with 50 caliber bear bear rifles and uh you know obviously everybody knows even people that would necessarily would maybe typically agree um with the the feds on that point would 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 say, all right, well, that, you know, obviously that didn't happen because that's nowhere in any of the <laughs> testimony for anybody, um, you know, and, and obviously like, you know, you can read in and say that, you know, there were shots fired at the helicopters and the helicopters had to, you know, whatever, they decided to retreat and land, but, and they make the argument that there was only, um, there was only video cameras on board of those helicopters, but I, I encourage everyone because I, I, you know, I'm I'm a single man, so I'm not going to to act like I'm the arbiter of truth um, and and give you information um, secondhand. I encourage everybody to go and look at the the documentaries such as Rules of Engagement, the uh, FLIR Project, um, and others, because all the information that I've got are are from these uh, these very very clear um, documentaries and and informational uh of videos and um whatnot and i think that uh people if you really pay attention and you and you look at these things you'll come around and you'll understand um that pretty much everything that the public was told was a bold face lie and um you know at that point i mean there's there's terrible things and, and like you said you were in one part of the building so you can't know everything that was going on until hindsight um if you saw the documentaries and stuff you probably learned information that you had no idea about um because it was in because it's a pretty big building um and uh i would like to also point out that i haven't called it a compound <laughs> because i really absolutely have a hate for the fact that they use the word compound for Waco and they use the word fortress or whatever they use for Ruby Ridge. I don't even know because I don't even, I don't even allow that to even enter my brain because Ruby Ridge was basically a, basically a pallet built cabin. It was like, it was the most basic of structures. And, um, you know, if you, if you go and you research the branch Davidians and how the, the, the building and stuff came about it's not a compound it was it was pieced together and built by um the people who lived there uh, over uh, over a period of time and uh you know it was a home it was a church it was a uh 
uh, a community. It wasn't a compound. It didn't have, didn't have barbed wire or razor wire, uh, top fences. Um, it didn't have watchtowers with, you know, mounted machine guns. Um, you know, it wasn't, uh, it just wasn't a compound. There's nothing, there's nothing that, uh, you know, you, everything has their symptoms of, of what they are, but beyond the FBI and the ATF calling it a compound, there's nothing that gives you the insinuation that it was a compound. They easily were able to go around the building. You can see the, the, the tread tracks from the tanks going around days on end and the, the trucks driving in and out. And they had, the, they had the place surrounded. Most of the video and the, the documentation that the FBI give make it seem like they were standing out on the road uh, adjacent to the front of uh of the building but really in essence they had people everywhere um and uh you know it's just it's just kind of wild um but uh so just kind of to to wrap up the last day um what uh what what did it look like wherever you went from like the the mentality of of losing hope and then um you know the the moments that led into you uh, exiting the building. Yeah, what happened was around Munich. You know, we were all in the chapel area. The tanks had already come through, so that was you know pretty shocking to see a tank come through your front door. But we heard, you know, it's funny. I talked to Derek Lovelock in England recently, and what's funny is Derek and I have not talked we had th th this entire time. Like he went. He went to jail, wasn't tried. He got out and went to, back to England. I, I never spoke to Derek. And it turns out our testimonies are very similar, which I think is really, really interesting. Well, it's not interesting. It's the truth. Absolutely. <laughs> right. You know, so we didn't sit down and talk about what we were going to say or anything like that. And when you see both of our testimonies, he heard the same thing I heard. Someone yelled from the upstairs that there was a fire. So we heard someone yell from the upstairs that there was a fire. I had already known that I couldn't get down the, the first story hallway, the front hallway, because the tanks had come through and destroyed everything. I mean, there was debris everywhere. But I knew that I could go to the back of the building, uh, right between where the gym and the chapel was, there was a little kind of, uh, what do they call it, a little, uh, sorry guys, a little hallway back there. And there was a, a stairwell leading up to the second story, which is where Gresh's room was. Mm -hmm. There was an office space, and then there was a catwalk that led over the, the chapel, the chapel area, the chapel, uh, the roof, the catwalk. And you could get to the second story hallway from there. So I went through that, and I there was a, uh, a blanket that was over the doorway. And I remember opening the blanket, and I got uh, this black cloud came in at me. I had to, I had to back away because all the smoke was coming in. Once the smoke dissipated, I, I went to, to go into the second story and this wall of flame shot down in front of me. It was something that had this very, very loud sound. Excuse me. I'm having trouble breathing, guys. I'm really sorry. These allergies are killing me today. Yeah, I appreciate you bearing with us. and, and <laughs> It's just getting, it's getting hard to talk, it's all. So after the uh, this, this fire went down the hallway, I, I knew that I couldn't get in there. Excuse me. So sorry. And so I had to go back the way I came. There was, you know, that was, it was completely engulfed. It was literally a wall of flame that shot down the second story. So it was done. So I went back to the catwalk. I got down to that back area again. 
And there was, you know, there was Raymond Friesen was there, Jamie Casillo, Derek, uh, Derek Lovelock, yeah, uh, Clive Doyle, and <clears throat> Wade Martin was to my left, and Wade Martin Jr. And I remember the, the smoke started to engulf him. I remember watching him, he took his gas mask off, and he, big Wade. And he put his back against the wall, and he slid down the wall, and as he slid down the wall, the smoke completely engulfed him. I couldn't see him anymore. Even though he's right next to me. Sorry, guys. <clears throat> and so after that, I could feel the side of my hair crackle from the fire. Uh, that was the wall was catching fire. So I looked out of that big hole, and there was uh, uh, Jamie had got out of the hole. Derek had got out of the hole. That I followed behind them. I'm thinking no one's going to make it out behind me because it was last second. Yeah. And I just figured they were going to shoot me. Yeah. And at that point, the only thought going through my mind is better to be shot than to burn to death. I didn't want to burn to death. That's what it came down to. So anyway, I was willing to be shot. But I didn't want to burn. So I came out. You know, I walked down, oh, maybe just a couple yards and turned around and saw Clive coming out. But he was patting his arms out. They were smoking. I, like I said, I didn't think anyone was going to make it out after me. And so, anyway, there was a, a Red Cross sign at the back of the property. And the speaker systems were telling us to go to where the Red Cross sign was. And, you know, if we had a gun, they were going to shoot us, that kind of thing. So we all went to the Red Cross sign. I got about maybe 50 yards up. I turned around one more time. And I saw that big ball of fire just explode, that big ball of fire that looked like a big mushroom cloud, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it turns out, I, I believe that was the propane tank exploding. And I believe that now. I didn't realize it then because the, the clean, it's a clean bird. It's very red. It dissipates quickly. Yeah, yeah. Whereas the rest of the fire, if you look closely, the rest of the fire is dark, black. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's a chemical fire. That original fire, that's the CS burning off, a lot of that. And that's the gases turning to cyanide. You're seeing that big dark black cloud. That's chemical. That's because it's yes, yes. I, I I believe that personally. Yeah. And so the contrast when you ever watch that that big explosion is much cleaner. It's a cleaner burn. Totally different kind of fire. Very interesting. But I saw that, and more importantly, I could feel the warmth of it on my face from fifty yards back. <sighs> Excuse me. So sorry, guys. Hey, you're right. Fifty yards back, and so you know they're telling us to go to the Red Cross. And we got there, and they had us down on our faces. They put the these little plastic straps behind our back and, you know, secured our hands. And they were asking questions. They said, uh, you know, they said, where are the kids? You have to live with us for the rest of your life. They said, where are the children? I said, the children should be in the underground bus. You guys know all about that bus. And the one agent looked at the other, that guy said, we tear gas the bus. I was thinking, well, that's great. You guys tear gas the only avenue of, you know, uh, the only place where they can go. That's yeah, good work, guys. And then the one guy said, do you think they set the fire? And the other agent said, this is really interesting, he said, you're damn right they set the fire. There wasn't one pyrotechnic in that building. Mm. And he mm. said it with complete conviction. I don't think yeah. he was, you know, he didn't know. Yeah. I think many of the agents on the ground had no idea that they used pyrotechnic devices. They didn't know until it came out. Janet Reno had to apologize because she was lied to. So, you know. A lot of them did lie directly to Janet Reno, and again, how come they're not in jail? Yeah. How come they didn't lose their careers for lying to the Attorney General? 
they all get off. They all get away with it. That's, that's, that's the problem. It's the lack of justice in this thing that makes people crazy. It's the lack of justice. There's yeah. Well, I mean, what do you put on trial here? What do you expect whenever, whenever the same people that are perpetrating um, things like this are yeah. the same people who investigate, um, you know, and, and not to throw anybody under the bus. I believe that everybody uh, deserves, uh, you know, they're, they deserve justice. Okay. But at the end of the day, um, you know, I mean, I think it's just asinine that, uh, that the federal government is investigating the federal government. Um, Cause it's just, it, it's, you know, it's just silly because if, if, you and me were friends and I did something and I, and somebody was like, Oh, somebody needs to investigate this. And you investigate my case that nullifies it. It just makes zero sense because obviously you're going to find every opportunity to scapegoat me because I'm your friend. So you're going to find every opportunity to, to make sure that I, um, if not come out crystal clean, you know, uh, super clean that I come out at least clean enough so that I'm not, you know, whatever put, put under the prison. Um, so, and, and, and it goes on and whether it's a, a, a small incident or an incident like Waco, I mean, there's people that are working the Waco case that were on Ruby Ridge, yeah. you know, and it's like, this should never, <laughs> should never happen, obviously. But the fact that there are people that were involved in two absolutely heinous, um, acts against American citizens that ultimately just wanted to be left alone. Yeah. Um, you know, I think that it's, uh, it's, it's, it's showing it's, uh, it's very telling. Um, so, you know, I understand, I, I, I know that you're dealing with allergies and stuff and I know it's like the worst cause, uh, I've grew up in the Ohio river Valley and it's like nothing but yeah. ragweed and it's just destroying you. Know, it makes you feel terrible. Your, it, it's weird. You know, your eyes swell up and your, your, you know, the, the pressure and everything and not yeah. being able to breathe and having a gas for breath. Um, so I'll definitely, I'll try to close this up, um, kind of quickly, uh, and, and, and give you some time to recuperate and relax. Um, so, I mean, you know, we've kind of gone through the whole, the, the last day. Um, and you know, I, I really want to touch on, um, you know, that it was human beings in there. Um, and, uh, I really encourage everybody, if you don't know about Waco or if you just know a little bit, or if, um, you were listening halfway through and you, you heard, um, me talk about how, uh, you know, a lot of people related to Jonestown or Timothy McVeigh, and they don't really tell the true Waco story or anything about Waco. There's a purpose for that. And I encourage you to explore, um, the reality and, and the, 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 um, absolute horror that happened at Mount Carmel. Um, and a great place to start is wacosurvivors.com. David has done a good job of, of gathering up um, uh, literature and links and things that are helpful. Um, and you know, beyond that there, you know, David's done, uh, plenty of other podcasts. Uh, he's, uh, he's participated in the congressional hearings back, um, when they held them was 99, I think it was, is that right? Whenever they came back around, anyways, either way, um, I know it was a while after, cause it was like directly after the McVeigh thing. I'm trying to pinpoint the dates i may get them wrong but either way um there's some really valuable information the testimonies uh from yourself and from um some of the other folks uh that were involved um you know is very um interesting and um it's it's almost like it's hard to watch 
um, even the testimonies and, and, um, in Congress, um, and hear people that obviously know what they're talking about and feel what they, they, they're talking about and knew, um, some of the folks that died. Um, it's painful. Um, it, it absolutely is. And, um, you know, at the end of, uh, at the end of it all, we just really need to pay attention, learn from those, uh, uh, that we can. And thankfully, uh, folks like yourself and Clive Doyle did make it out. Um, and we're able to tell the story and, uh, and, and create something because I mean, goodness gracious, besides the fact that we're sitting here today, I'm, I'm very thankful for you coming on and answering my request. Um, it's very exciting for me because I, 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 uh, like I said, I've, I've been interested in the story for a long time. Um, but foremost, I think it's super important that the story is told, uh, for any kind of travesty. And I'm very thankful that you made it out that day. I'm super thankful that you're here today to be able to tell the story. And, um, you know, I hope you have many more years of being able to tell the story and, and, and participate in discussions, uh, so that people know, um, what's going on but either way uh we've done this here today and um we'll have this uh this up for people to watch and be able to to digest and uh see one of the human beings uh that were at mount carmel that uh that were put up against federal uh, uh gas and fire um in order to be here today um so beyond that i do want to give you the opportunity if there's anything that uh that you want to close out with or um, if there's anything that you'd like to direct attention to, I know that last year I watched uh, the um, the the Zoom call um, that you all did for the the 27th uh, anniversary. Um, I know that COVID has kind of been crazy, but I know that Texas obviously recently has lifted a lot of um, their restrictions. Um, so, is there anything planned? We're doing um, another Zoom. We're doing another Zoom platform. Okay this year yeah is there is there an easy way for people to find that to be able to watch it is well, be on no YouTube it's not or? easy because we only have a select amount of people we can have on there uh-huh. and we're really worried about zoom bombing especially okay. right yeah, yeah i understand that all that stuff is because people get crazy with it it's just crazy dude. so what we're doing is if you want to reach out to me on social media or through the website and you send me your email address and say you want to be on the list we'll put you on the list and send you an invitation okay that's the only way to get us through an invitation. So you have to reach out to me uh, through my Facebook. Uh, there's a weight loss survivors. There's a Dave Thibodeau Facebook uh, friend request me, that kind of thing. Or just go to the website and there's an email where you can send me a request with mm-hmm. your email. We'll, we'll put you on the list. Okay. Well, you can definitely survivors. David Awakeless survivors is my, okay. Is my published email address. All right. Good deal. So, um, I'll definitely be on there. Uh, I'll be tuning in to listen in to everybody. Um, but beyond that, uh, that's, that's, uh, that's the details on that. Is there anything else that you'd like to draw attention to, or maybe give a moment for, um, before we, uh, close this out? No, you know, I'm just, uh, I always look forward to, forward to April 19th. It's, I look forward to it because we have a slideshow presentation and hearing all the names of the people getting to see them and kind of, you know, spend a few minutes with each one. There's so many people that died there. Man. Yeah. And it's just, it's awesome to think of who they would be, you know, if they would have lived. And uh, it brings back, and I think it, 
it's a visual representation of the power of what the government has done to this community. Completely, almost completely wiped about. And uh, we're just not going to let it go. You know, unlike other massacres in the past, where there wasn't pictures of everyone, you know, we have pictures of most of the people. Yep. We can tell their story, you know, through this uh, technology, these images, these people can live on forever. And that's, you know, I, I feel blessed knowing that. You know, and I just want to, you know, I just want to say that no matter what you believe or what you think we believe or believed or whatever, or the people that die believe, they, you know, all these people died for God. They died for a scripture that they believed was written and inspired by God through prophets. So they followed the scripture very, very thoroughly. And they believed that, you know, they were this last group that would have to face uh, man, the evils of man, if you will, the king of the north, the king of Babylon, however you want to look at it, before the kingdom of God would be set up. And so that force came in and killed them. And they, they, they gave their lives for, for what they believe. They're, they're the literal term of martyr. That they're literally martyrs. Mm-hmm. And they did not die for David Koresh. They died for the Bible. They died for the scripture and what that represented to them. And, you know, it's incredibly brave that they stood up for what they believed in, in, in this day and age and did back down when the tanks were coming through their front door. And I don't think that's ever reflected on, especially in the press. It's just, you know, they, they're just so above honor. <laughs> they are so above what they have been given. And, you know, they deserve every honor in heaven. That's it. They, they just, they, they deserve their wings. They deserve to be, to, to live forever in, in paradise. Who knows, you know, what happens after we go on. I know for sure, I, I personally believe that there's a, that we are energy. And once we, uh, you know, leave this mortal flesh, the energy uh, lives on somewhere. I, I just always kind of, I've always believed that. And, um, Everyone's getting older. And, you know, I guess if I have one thing I want to wrap up with, it's that you didn't win. You ATF guys that lied and you FBI guys that have lied. And there's a lot of FBI guys that didn't know any better. There's a lot of FBI guys that didn't know what really happened. I believe that. I believe many of the FBI agents on the ground were deceived and are still to this day. Yeah. Uh, but those that you that have lied to the American public and, and, and you have basically pissed on the Constitution and you have pissed on on, on, on your oath to, to serve us, the public, your time's short, my friends. How old are you now? What are you guys, 60, 50, 80, 70, 80, some of you? Your days are numbered. We're all, we're all getting there. You're running out of time to tell the truth. Yep. So let's have some early deathbed confessions, huh? Why don't you get it off your chest? Yeah. yeah do a YouTube those. video. Give me a call. Um, do go on Vice. Do whatever. Somebody needs to tell the truth, and somebody needs to say that yes, we were shooting people at the back of the building. Seriously, somebody needs to stand up and say, yeah, we came into the helicopters and we shot people through that from the helicopters. We know you did. I'd like to know where the front door is. 
that's there, guys. <laughs> you people are lying. Some of you are yeah. lying. Set yourself. Okay, I got a say that I put on all, all the books that I sign. Just the truth will set you free, and the free shall seek the truth. That's yeah, it. Absolutely. It's time. It's time yeah. for you guys. Un unload yourself. Unburden yourselves. You had a chance to, before you die to make this right and tell the truth. Do it. Embrace it. That's it. Hey, I, I love it. I, I mean, I think that it's a. Uh, I mean, it's it's almost poetic in the sense of of uh coming from yourself and seeing the destruction and and knowing the pain and um i'm glad that you brought that up because i i i don't want to say i forgot about it but it's one of those things that was kind of stored in the back of my mind watching the the zoom call last year and going through all the names and talking about um you know positive memories and um just kind of pointing out the different people um that were in there that lost their lives and uh you know it, it's it's one of those things that I, I i think that uh like you said i think that there's probably some agents that may have been in or around or maybe even just pushed paper for the case uh that were told something um but ultimately um they were lied to just as the american public was lied to um and there's people that in the american public that have accepted that lie and there's people in the federal agencies that have accepted that lie and uh you know it's sad but i really do hope um that moments like this uh this podcast uh other ones that you've been on um and um if people tune into that zoom or i believe there's a recording for last year's zoom out there somewhere that people find on youtube or whatnot i think it's very powerful people to see um the people that uh um, came out before the fire and the people uh, like yourself and Clive Doyle who uh, who made it out through the fire and uh, reflect I lost on... your audio buddy you can't hear me oh it looks like you're on mute oh nope I was on mute yeah but you your audio cut out too I'm uh -huh. on mute because I'm wheezing here because I'm so stuffed oh, okay. up I don't want to hear people hear me wheezing now I can hear you okay well anyways in closing um you know, ultimately, everybody go and do your research. Check out uh, the docu series. Check out WacoSurvivors.com. Um, be sure to grab a copy of uh, of a signed book from David Dibodeau himself on WacoSurvivors.com. Um, and beyond that, I hope that everybody does uh, seek truth uh, because the free uh, free do want the truth, um, and, and we depend on it. Um, so, in liberty, I appreciate everybody tuning in. Thank you for. Uh, for joining us and thank you david thibodeau for being on uh an episode of who touched the thermostat i thank you very much i enjoyed it thanks for having me on appreciate it you have a blessed one okay take care about you too